in the name, man. Well, now, Pastor Jeremy was supposed to begin a series tonight, and unfortunately, he has become really sick, so he is home tonight. Oh, yeah, ladies, Bible say thank you. Uh, if you want to go and be a part of that, it's in your office, in uh, my wife's office. So if you're a lady and you want to be a part of that, you could be dismissed. Otherwise, you're welcome to remain here and be a part of this Bible study. Amen. I'm going to direct our attention to Psalm uh, 119, beginning at verse 9. And um, again, Pastor Jeremy will be uh, hopefully back by next week and can continue. And I believe he's got some exciting things planned. We've, we've been talking together and praying, and um, I believe there's going to be some great things this month as we study together on Wednesday nights. Hallelujah. Psalm 119, verse 9. This is the second stanza, of course. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Let, oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Amen. And from that last uh, sentence or uh, after the colon there in verse 16, I'm going to use that as my title tonight. I will not forget thy word. Amen. Amen. There it is. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's pray together again for this uh, lesson tonight. Father, you are the living word. And I ask now that you make my tongue the pen of a ready writer, speaking both your logos and your rima to your church. Open our understanding that we might comprehend the scripture, cause every hindrance to be rebuked and cast out, bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we pray all of this in the mighty, majestic, marvelous, and magnificent name of Jesus. And if you believe it, would you shout amen? amen. Hallelujah. Amen. He's worthy. Our sin-sick society claims that truth is relative. You have your truth, I have mine, and we're both correct. These evildoers continue to chip away at the foundation of truth to the point of rewriting history and changing absolutes. But amid all of this, the Word of God remains infallible, pure, trustworthy, and inerrant. The Bible says in John 10, 35, Jesus said, Scripture cannot be broken. Oh, hallelujah. It's forever settled in heaven. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. The, 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 this world and all that we know of it is going to wither away like grass, but the word of the Lord stands forever, and every word of God proves true. Amen. And so recognizing this, we can understand that God's word is forever. I want to boldly go on record tonight and tell you you can trust the Word of God. And I'll tell you why. Titus 1-2 says, God cannot lie. 
It's not that he won't lie. It's that he can't lie. The fact that he is truth, the very embodiment of truth, prohibits him, limits him from lying. Numbers 23, 19 and Hebrews 6, 18 both say it's impossible for God to lie. That's why you can trust the Word of God. It's not empty, vain promises like some politician just hoping to get your vote so they can get a seat on the council or whatever place they want to serve. It's, it's true. Amen. And you can trust it in Jesus' name. Recognizing the weight of the responsibility of their calling, Paul speaks for his fellow apostles, explaining that they will not give up. He and his fellow ministers committed themselves to not renouncing or rejecting the hidden things of dishonesty. Amen. They they would renounce and reject these things and not walk in craftiness. The Bible says, nor handle the Word of God deceitfully. I'm in 2 Corinthians 4.2, by the way. But by manifestation of the truth, Paul said, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Can I tell you, that needs to be the heartbeat of not just preachers, but everybody. And I believe the psalmist felt similar to this on how to treat God's Word. And wrote, as the Spirit led him, this second stanza. Ending it with, I will not forget thy word. Real quickly, I want to point out to you that throughout Psalm 119, the psalmist uses various words. I'm going to give you just their English version because I don't know how to pronounce most of the Hebrew words anyway. So I'm just going to give you the English words that translate back to uh, the Hebrew, of course. But he would use different words to describe the Word of God. Now, they would describe a different function or part of the Word of God. Okay? But each one of them would point back to ultimately God, who, by the way, is the Word. Well, one of those, of course, is the word, Word. So when he says, I will not forget thy word, he's speaking of, of course, the expressed will of God. He would, the word precepts, statutes, testimonies, judgments, commandments, and ways. All of these are words that are pointing to God and his word. All right? So tonight, I'm not going to go into in-depth with all the different definitions of each one of those and what each one of them mean and how they uh, draw the perspective. I'm just going to be general and say the Word of God because all of them point back to it. Is that all right? And, And with so many people today who are mistreating, misapplying, and mishandling the Word of God and, unfortunately, misleading others to do the same, I've come to preach tonight how we can go against the tide of relativism and postmodern compromises and declare the truth of God's Word. Here's how we do it. Number one, heed 
the word. Let's look at verse 9 and 10 again. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wonder from thy commandments. Many hear the word of God, but how many heed it? And so to handle God's word correctly, we must both hear and obey it. How many of you know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? But how many of you also know faith without works is dead, right? And so we must express our faith or show our faith by obedience to it. To the word of God, that is. So taking heed means that we guard and protect and obey and observe and preserve and pass on. It's acting upon what we hear from God's word with our whole heart. It is in part what we're doing tonight. Participating in a Bible study, saying amen, jotting a note down, nodding our head, contemplating, meditating, thinking about it. But it's also what we do with it when we leave. A few years ago, I was preaching some youth camps and I remember in one of them, just something came on me and I said, I'm glad you're standing on your feet, clapping your hands right now, saying amen to this message, but what are you going to do six months from now, six years from now? What are you going to do 10 years from now? Are you still going to be living for God? Meet me 10 years from now at a camp meeting or a conference and, and then I'll know that the word of God has had an effect in your life. Amen. Taking heed to God's Word is falling in love with God. It's because He enables us to keep His commandments. It's, it's looking into God's Word and letting it correct you when you're wrong. In other words, being teachable. It's letting God direct you on the right path so that one day He can present you blameless in His presence. In our society, especially Western culture, we like to get second opinions. Right? Now, I can understand in some case where, you know, there have been stories where one doctor doesn't see something that another doctor might. I get that. I, I can understand that. But for the most part, I think the reason we want to do this is because we want some to, someone to tell us what we want to hear rather than what we need to hear. I feel that's why some will vacillate towards a conservative or a liberal uh, you know, mindset or news media because they want to listen to something that will confirm their bias. Now that might be okay if you want to do that and you know, just don't let that come between you and God and you and, and His church. But when it comes to the Word of God, you don't need a second opinion. Hello? Handling the Word of God must be done carefully, not deceitfully. We know from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 through 12, that if we handle it deceitfully, if we take pleasure in unrighteousness, then we shouldn't be surprised if God sends us a strong delusion and causes us to believe a lie. Amen? 
You've, you've heard me allude to this before, but it bears repeating. Revelation and delusion both come from God. 2 Thessalonians says God sent them a strong delusion. That's why when people who are in sin tell me they, they feel the Spirit of God telling them it's okay to do whatever they're doing, and it's clearly a violation of God's Word, I'm like, then I know what you're experiencing. You're experiencing a strong delusion. You're not experiencing the leading of the Spirit, as in, in a good way. Does that make sense? So instead of a desiring a second opinion, why don't we seek God's Word wholeheartedly? Then we won't wander from His commandments. If God's got your whole heart, that leaves no room for anything else. Right? By the way, you ever heard that phrase or years ago when you know, it was on a bumper sticker and might have even been a southern gospel song, I don't know. But you know, if God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Can I tell you that's wrong? Because whether you believe it or not, if God says it, that settles it. Period. Now, it's good that you choose to believe it, but just because you believe it doesn't settle it. What settles it is when God says it. Amen. By the way, I don't need a personal conviction to obey what God's Word says to do. Well, it's true. I don't need a personal revelation. Now, that doesn't mean I don't want to study. I do want to study. I do want to learn. I do want to grow. But if God says do something and it's clearly written in Scripture or don't do something, I don't need to wait until God convicts me. That's an excuse. I'll wait till the Holy Spirit convicts me. The Holy Spirit already convicts you. It's in His Word. Amen? All right. By the way, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. In other words, the keeping of the commandments is precipitated on whether or not we love God. So heed the word. Amen? Number two, hide the word. Somebody say hide. Verse 11 and um, 12, I believe here. Yeah, verse 11 and 12. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The psalmist here commits himself to hearing and seeking God's word, again, wholeheartedly. But he also commits to treasuring it in his heart and being teachable so that he doesn't sin against God. How do you hide the Word of God in your heart? How do you treasure it up? The, the, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Solomon told his son that if he sought after knowledge and understanding with the same fervor that he sought for silver, he would understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge. In other words, the principle is, if you'll put as much effort into studying the Word of God as you do studying anything else, You'll reap the result and the harvest of the Word of God. If I really wanted to, I could study and figure out who's won every Super Bowl and who's lost every Super Bowl for the last umpteen years. And I could come with all the stats and I could come with all of the, the different you know, uh, scores of who won and who lost and who was the coach and so on and so forth. 
But did you know not a bit of that would get me to heaven? Even though my team has won a few times, it wouldn't wouldn't help me one iota. But if I put the same effort into studying the Word of God, reading it, memorizing it, applying it, hiding it in my heart, I'm laying up treasure in heaven where moth and rust can't corrupt. Amen? What you desire reveals what or whom you trust. Think about celebrities who seek form and fate, uh, for, uh, fortune and fame. What do they do when they don't have it anymore? What do they do when, when they you know, reach the end of their career and have nothing to show for it, lost family and so forth? For those that seek wealth, what happens when they die and take none of it with them? But think about those who hide God's word in their heart. Think about those who, who desire to be taught His statutes. When they die, oh, they've got some serious treasure laid up. You know, years ago, you know, YOLO, you only live once, right? Big phrase going around. That's wrong. It's you only live forever. That's the real phrase. So choose wisely. Here's, here's something to answer if you want to be hiding God's word in, his heart, in your heart. Are you teachable? Do you desire to learn his statutes? Again, that would be his word. Do you aspire to be like the Berean Jews in Acts chapter 17? who studied the scriptures daily to see those things that were there. They didn't just listen to the preaching and say, that's great, and then, you know, run and get their hamburger or whatever. They they wanted to know, I'm going to go home. I'm going to study this for myself. I'm going to dig into this. I'm going to learn it. I'm going to apply it. The Bible says they were more noble. They were open-minded to the scripture and to the word and to the things of God. I thank God every day for the heritage that I have, being raised in an apostolic home. But I can't rely on the fact that my mom prayed for me and raised me in an apostolic environment. I have to have my own first-generation experience or else my heritage is just a mere footnote on the annals of history. And equally, my children, just because I've got it, mom had it, their grandmother, and and her mom had it, their great-great-grandmother doesn't mean they get a free pass and suddenly, ding, 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 you know, they're just extra holy. No. Every generation must have a first-generation experience. Whether you were born in the church or whether you were, you know, saved late in life, it doesn't matter. Everybody has to have a first-generation experience where they're hiding the Word of God in their heart. Again, I appreciate heritage, and I'm not trying to disparage that, but I also know some people that they hang their hat on that way too much. Amen. So, hide the Word of God. Heed it, hide it. Number three, herald the Word of God. This is verse 13. Take a look at it with me. With my lips have I declared 
all the judgments of thy mouth. And again, judgments there would be another one of those Hebrew words describing, uh, you know, a different perspective, but sum total of the word of God. So with my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. Well, how did he know them? Because he'd experienced them. How did he know them? Because he had been taught them. How did he know them? Because he had hit them in his heart. But it wasn't just for him. He didn't stop at hiding it in his heart. He had to herald it. He had to tell people about it. Boldly proclaiming. And by the way, all the judgments of God's mouth, not just his favorite. All of them. Let me say this, it is really easy to proclaim God's word if you obey and treasure it. Why? Because it's easy to talk about what you love the most. Faithful obedience to God's word equips you to give an answer about the hope you have in God to whoever may ask. We find that from 1 Peter 3.15, that, that that confidence is built and our faithful obedience to God of heralding it, God will speak to us in that moment and give us an answer to give others that ask. It therefore enables us to speak boldly, testifying of what God's Word has done in our lives. And when we proclaim it, we personalize it. It doesn't mean we change its context. That's not what I mean. I mean we personalize it, meaning it's not just a testimony somewhere that we heard from somebody else. It's ours because we've experienced it. And the Word brings to life and exemplifies what can happen if the hearer does the same. Did you know every time you share your personal testimony, and it's personal because it's yours, where did God bring you from? What did He deliver you out of? How did He save you? How did you find Him? At what age? Etc. so forth. When you fill in all those blanks and you share that with somebody, you're heralding God's Word. This is who I was in sin, shapen in iniquity, shameful, wicked, evil doing. This is where I met Jesus. This is how I met Jesus. This is when I met Jesus. And now look what he's done in my life. When you share that and whatever those fill in the blanks are for you and your testimony, you're heralding the word of God. 31 different saints this year have heralded God's word to 98 different people. Young children to elders at schools, across break rooms. So let me ask you a question. To whom will you declare God's word next? What has God done for you that you can and will share with others? And remember, your testimony is personal to you. And sharing it brings honor to God. Amen? Amen? So, I want to ask a bold question. Who will be the 32nd saint to teach the 99th person a Bible study this year? Come on. Oh, hallelujah. Who will be the next one to herald God's Word? Hallelujah. Number four. 
honor God's word. So we, we're going to heed it. We're going to hide it. We're going to herald it. And now, those last three verses, we're going to honor it. Verse 14, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. So testimonies is by way another one of those words. Ways is another one, of course. And I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy words. So words, statutes, ways, and testimonies in those three verses all point back to the collective view of the Word of God. Let me explain it this way. This bottle is plastic, has flavored water in it, has purple, blue, black on it, has writing on it, right? I could even get more specific. It's Propel, zero sugar with electrolytes made by Gatorade. Grape is the flavor. Has zero calories. I could keep going. You get the point. So it's, it's different perspectives. So each one of these words, testimonies, ways, statutes, judgments, etc., are just a different way of explaining the same thing, the Word of God. Now, let's look back at verse 14. I want to show you something. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. It is very probable, highly probable, that the psalmist probably was a king. The reason I think it's highly probable is this. When a king was coronated and, and placed on the throne, on his right-hand side of the throne would be a copy of the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Scrolls containing the Torah. He would then, in the first part of his coronation, would write his love for the Word of God and put that on his left. There would be like pockets on the throne. In other words, when he would judge Israel, on one side was the Word of God and on the other was his love for the Word of God, and that's how he judged the people. And if he needed to uh, have a question or, or look up something, he would grab out and, okay, so Deuteronomy says this, and oh yeah, I remember I wrote something about that. Yep, okay, all right, this is how I judge. And so he would use the Word of God and his love for the Word of God to judge. So it's, it's very probable that Psalm 119 was written by a king. I personally think it might have been Joash because he loved God's Word so much, when they found parts of it that were missing, he completely just had the entire nation repent, you know, tore down idols and restored worship unto God. and all. Of, so I, I kind of think it might have been him. Some say it was David. It could have been another good king. But my point is, if it was a king, and if my assumptions are correct, kings were very wealthy. And everything in the kingdom belonged to them. Oh, I just said something in the Holy Ghost and some of you missed it right there because the same is true in God's kingdom. He's the ultimate king of kings and everything belongs to him. Amen. The earth and the fullness thereof, right? Okay, so it, it was your land, but it was the king's land and you were just stewards of it. Are you following me? And so if this was a king... For him to say, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as in all riches. He was saying, line everything up. Add up the riches that I've ever seen of all in the world that I know of. And the way of God's testimonies are greater in my mind than that. That's a powerful statement. 
And even if it wasn't a king, even if it wasn't somebody, you've got to understand they would have known what wealth was. They would have known what riches were. In other words, what what the psalmist is saying here is, God, your word and the testimonies of your word are more valuable to me than the temporal value of riches because this lasts forever. Oh, hallelujah. You know what I love about the treasure that I lay up in heaven? Inflation doesn't affect it. Politics, politicians can't get their dirty, grimy hands on it and steal it. By the way, uh, politics, right? It's it's a a, uh, uh, um, compound word, right? You know, poly meaning many, ticks meaning blood-sucking parasites. All right, Kennedy, I'll go back to preaching instead of jokes. Amen. The final thing that we do with God's word is we honor it. The verbs, I want you, I want you to notice these with me. If, if Look at your Bible. I'm going I'm to give them to you. Rejoiced, meditate, have respect or respect, delight, and not forget. Each one of these are, are verbs in the Hebrew. They, they reveal that the psalmist exercised his will, not being forced, but willingly choosing to do these things faithfully and obediently. And so at the heart of honoring God's word is love. The psalmist cannot help but love God's word because he realizes how much God loves him. And so summarizing this uh, uh, second stanza he says I will not forget thy word you honor God's word with your obedient action to it again if you love me you will keep my commandments so how do we honor God's word that's a great question when we pray and fast we honor his word because the Bible tells us to do so When we forgive and are merciful, we honor God's word because the scriptures tell us to do so, right? When we share our personal testimony, we honor God's word because the scripture tells us to go and make disciples of all nations. When we give our tithe and offerings, we honor God's word because scripture talks about freely giving and cheerfully giving, right? When we live holy, inwardly and outwardly, we honor God's word because scripture says, be ye holy for I am holy. When, when husbands love their wives as Christ loved the church, we honor the word of God. When wives submitted to their own husbands as unto the church, we honor God's word. When we refuse to provoke our children to wrath, parents, we honor God's word. When our works prove our faith, we honor God's word. And... I do these things, and I believe you do these things because you want to, because you choose to. If somebody asks you, why do you live the way you live? Why do you go to church twice a week? Why do you give your money to the church? Why do you dress this way or do that thing or not go here? Don't ever tell them, because my pastor said to. Tell them, because I love the Word of God. Because this pastor ain't going to air for you some laundry list 
Because if you ain't got enough Holy Ghost to turn the TV off or change your attitude, then come to an altar and repent again. Oh, people, can I watch this? You ask me that question, I'm going to say, I don't know, can you? Well, what I mean is, do you mind if I do? What does the Holy Ghost say? I'm not the Holy Ghost. Let the Lord convict you. Right? I want to honor God's Word. A lot of us use each other as a filter. That's why the Bible says don't compare yourself among yourselves because it's unwise. Well, uh, you know, Brother Chris, he seems pretty strong. I've seen him do it. I think I can do it. And we use each other as a filter. This should be our filter. God, do you want me to do this? Okay, I will, or okay, I won't. I want to honor God's Word. There's a song back from back in the day. I don't know how old it is, but I was younger and single, so it's been at least that long. But it was called, I Choose to Be a Christian. One part of it said, nobody's holding a gun to my head. Nobody's making me do it. I choose to be a Christian. That's the essence of how we honor the Word of God. You see, whether or not things go my way, I'm going to keep God's Word. I'll hide it in my heart. I'll share it with as many as will listen. And I'll honor it daily regardless of who does or doesn't join me. What's your resolution? Will you also heed and herald and hide and honor God's word? How many of you have ever heard that um, phrase, if you, you, you give a man a fish, feed him for a day, teach him to fish, feed for a lifetime, right? You've heard something like that? Well, if you feed, you know, give someone a sermon, you only feed him for a day. But if you inspire them to heed and hide and herald and honor God's word, you nourish them for a lifetime. I've been in churches. I've seen pastors that they want you to check with them for everything. Well, you want to talk to me, I'll definitely give you the time of day and we'll talk. But... I'm going to point you back to the Word of God. And I'm not saying that to be uh, invalidating, but you know, you, 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 whether you come to me with a problem or a question, I'm going to go to the Word. Now, it doesn't mean I don't want to know about your life and be involved in your life. What I'm saying is, you can also go to the Word. Okay? So if I'm busy, if, you know, like Tuesday, I had to go out for a funeral, if, 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 I've, if I've had to leave town for a day or two, or, or if I'm sick or something, you know, don't wait until the next time, or don't wait until Pastor Lucas is home. You can go to the Word. So here would be a good example. Go to the Word, and if you're still got a question or confused, then come. Because if you just come initially, I'm probably going to ask you something like, well, have you prayed about it? Have you sought the Word of God about it? Have you dug into Scripture? Because this, friends, is life eternal. I like what Peter said. 
when Jesus turned to them after the 70, I think it was 70, or, I don't know if it was 70, but some disciples left. John 6, uh, 66, ironically 666. He turns to the 12 and he says, will you leave also? In other words, what Jesus was saying was, I'm not changing who I am or how I preach or what I do. It's, it's life eternal. And, and watch what Peter says. Lord, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. That's what this is. This is more than just a book. This is more than just ink on paper. This is the words of eternal life. I, I wish I had the time to, to express to you uh, linguistically how if you try to insert any other thing, uh, some lost book, some Maccabees or some other thing into the text uh, in the original languages, it ruins the flow because there's a linguistic flow that can't be broken. There, there's a mathematical flow that can't be broken. And, and the fact is, all those other things, we're not finding any of, of the, the, the treasure troves of, of uh, manuscripts, but up to 60-some thousand manuscripts of these 66 books have been found across many languages, across many continents, proving the infallible, inerrant Word of God. And regardless of all that science and archaeology, the fact is, I just believe it because God said it. It is eternal life. Some of you know the name Johnny James called the walking Bible. The man had the Bible as well as other books memorized. Passed away yesterday. The next sound Johnny James will hear will be the trumpet calling the dead in Christ to rise first. Johnny James would literally he wouldn't say, he wouldn't do like what I do. Okay, verse 10 says, with my whole heart. He would say Psalm 119, verse 10, and just start quoting it verbatim, not missing a beat. I remember the first time I saw him preach, he didn't bring either a Bible or notes to the pulpit. He had his entire sermon memorized, and he had every scripture that he referred to memorized. And every time I heard him preach, he did that. A friend of mine, Brother Luke Levine, uh, shared a story how that he had talked to him, had, had, was picking him up from an event or something, and, and had shared with him, he said, I appreciate the gift you have. And he goes, it's not, it's not a gift. And he wasn't saying it arrogantly. He said, it's not a gift. He says, I give God a tithe of every day, two hours and 40 minutes a day to the study of and memorization of Scripture. Every year, not some years, every year, Johnny James will read the Bible through in less than 90, or would, he's dead now, would read it in less than 90 days. So no wonder it flowed from him. It flowed out of him so freely because he filled himself up with it. Gatorade a few years ago, are you, you know, is it in you, right? That was their, their ad, is it in you? I would ask, is the word in you? Because if it is, it'll come out. So how much do we value the Word of God? We, we understand tithing of our money, but what about tithing of our time? Can we give God two hours and 40 minutes a day? Oh, I don't know about that, Pastor. Well, if your favorite game is on, I bet you could. 
I'll turn around. How much do we value God's word? The second letter of the Hebrew alphabet is Beit, Beth, B-E-T, B-E-T-H. The eight verses in this second stanza, stanza reveal that you gain wisdom and understanding and knowledge when you treasure God's word. There's a, there's a condition, when or if. It also, to that end, treasuring the word of God then gives authority in the present life, granting access into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as 2 Peter 1, 10, 11 teaches. In other words, if you want to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant, then you have to do well serving faithfully. You see, the Bible, it has no mouth, but it speaks to me daily. It corrects me, directs me, and encourages me. The Bible has no arms, but it carries and comforts me and reaches for me daily. The Bible has no feet, but it walks with me every day. And when I've gone astray, it has searched for me until it found me and has returned me safely to the Father's house. The Bible, it may be inedible to some, but you see, I've tasted it. And it nourishes my hunger every time. I want to understand God. I want to be like Jesus. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to study to show myself approved. I'm not just going to study to preach a message. I'm not just going to study because I want to, you know, put a check mark that I've read my Bible today in in you version. I'm going to study because I want to become more like my father. It's more than a book. It's life eternal. Hallelujah. I wonder if we could take just a few moments tonight. It's four minutes till eight. And you usually wrap up at 8. I wonder if we could just take a moment. If you've got your Bible with you, hopefully you do. It's Bible study. Amen. Lift it over your head. Put it next to your heart. I know one preacher would pray like this. He would pray literally with the Word of God. It wasn't that he was hoping for osmosis. It just, you know, he just wanted to be covered by the Word of God. There have been times I've, I've prayed with it and had it cover you know, my heart, my chest, my bosom because, oh God, I, I want it in me. I, I want to know it, love it. Let it protect me. Let it guide me. Let it correct me. Jesus, thank you. Lord, it wasn't just too long ago, about 500 years, that the Word of God was only in Latin. It was forbidden to be in the common man's language. And Lord, thousands upon multiplied thousands were killed in their desire to want to bring the words of Scripture to the common man. Burned at the stake. Drowned 
flayed alive, killed in various ways. And Lord, thank you. Thank you that they paid that sacrifice so that eventually the Word of God could be put in, into the language that we could understand it. Thank you for speaking it and giving it. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to have access to it. I pray that we never lose sight of the value of the Word of God. That we trust it daily, wholeheartedly obeying it and faithfully staying committed to it. In Jesus' mighty name. A couple years ago, I read a couple of books that really cemented my love for the Word of God. One of them, I don't remember the exact title, but it was about the bloody birth of the English Bible. And it, it highlighted account after account of people that were brutally murdered simply because they wanted the Bible in common English. Read another book uh, that heralded the, uh, Michael Servetus and his life and how he passionately defended the oneness of God and was burned at the stake for it. He had written multiple books. They tried burning his books with him, but they did survive. And in reading about these events that happened, again, just four and 500, 600 years ago, reading about people who are in nations that when they receive the Word of God in their language, they, they, they cry, they rejoice because they don't have it readily. I recall the time that a missionary stood in this pulpit uh, on this platform talking about the Ugandans, how they can't afford to buy a Bible. And they'll go to an event and they'll bring a notepad and a pen and they'll put as many verses as they can on a screen or on, on some sort of projector and they'll write as many as they can down and that becomes their Bible and hopefully they can have another event where they can write more down. And I was wondering, it must be astronomical, like you know, thousands of dollars. And, and he said, there's only 15 American dollars to buy a Bible. I, I literally got up. I was sitting about where Shirley was. I got up, walked out, went to my study and counted. I had over 20-some Bibles in you know, my, my uh, uh, bookcase alone, not to mention how many I've got electronically. Let us never take this for granted. It is life. It's eternal life. Amen. Well, may the Lord richly bless you. And let's come back Sunday not forgetting His Word. Amen.